I can put 52, it's 53. Okay, what's up, guys? John Sintez here, Cutter Nation podcast, Cass Kreitlow, our man, and then special guest, and first time on the new streaming platform, Mike Adams, owner of the Baseball Performance Center. What's up, Mike? Why don't you uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself? What's going on? Thanks for having me. Um, obviously, if you guys haven't heard of Baseball Performance Center, we are a training facility in southern Jersey, right outside of Atlantic City. Um, my partner at Charlton and I run it. Um, I work with all the pitchers there. He works with all the hitters. So we're uh, we're excited to be on today. Awesome, awesome. Um, so I've been following you for I don't even know what's. I mean, we've been talking for years. I feel like uh, yeah. going back and forth with stuff, sharing ideas and stuff. So you and I um, have really, uh, you know, really we've we watch a lot of each other's stuff which is great you know and it's fun to bounce ideas off you it was cool to meet you in nashville and be like okay you're not crazy either like yeah. i see the same things yeah. um, i wanted to ask you um about um your your program that you guys have over there and and i really like the style the things that you're doing um how long have you guys been running first of all what is your model tell everybody about like exactly what I was going to say like what inspired it because I, I think what we're going to get to is that we have pretty similar visions on how we train yeah. players. And uh, it, it actually didn't take me very long to understand that that's what I wanted to do. It took me a long time to get somebody else that wanted to do it with me. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, your inspiration is what I'm asking. Yeah. So basically um, Ed and I, we were actually playing indie ball together. Um, we're both in the same town. You know, we used to work out in the winter a little bit, and, and, and one of the other guys, we have Chris Oakley, and we would always be throwing, and, and you have to pay your, your $30 cage fee every single time, every day of the winter. So we were playing, and we were just kind of brainstorming. We're like, dude, we should just, you know, we should put a facility in our area. Um, we should style it where guys can come every day and, and really get consistent work. So that was kind of something that we thought of when we were playing. We're like, hey, you know, this offseason, we're going to go back. We're going to try and find somewhere where we can, you know, get on our feet and start training some guys. And then um, we started with the gym membership style. So it gives guys access to come five days a week um, there. We do it where there's, there's actually no times. So we're open from two to nine and it lets them come anytime in between two to nine. We have some guys that come for two hours. We have some guys that hit throw and lift and are there for three and a half, four hours. So it kind of is. Yeah. If you could have let me be there from the moment I get out of school until mom picks me up, I'm there. That's where I'm oh, at. That's awesome. Yeah. It's and and that's and that's the best part. And, and I mean, because obviously everyone everyone operates on a little bit of a different clock. So if you're you know you get everything done in and out, it works for you. If you're a guy who's like super meticulous and, and likes to do extra stuff, it works that way too. And obviously, the more we can get guys in there, the better they can get, and, and the more bought in, and, and the more work they can get, and, and, and the better it goes. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I, you know, the, I, I love that. I found a quote um, in one of the newspaper articles that you guys were in, and you were just talking about how, you know, you want guys to be in there every day, and it's kind of expensive to do a lesson every day. And and yeah. I totally agree. That's in our business model and how we're. I think we're moving more to that. You know, this is just how we do it. We do it. Yeah. It's a one month fee. You you know, um, we're starting off 
inching into those waters. We've been doing a, kind of a weekly and then a monthly, and yeah. you know, as we expand uh, with stuff, but that would be nice for us to do it too. So, well, it's just it's it really comes down to the sweet spot of uh, maximizing the space that you have with the resources that you have. So, you know, like you just want to create a haven for for kids to come and do at whatever they need to do, and it and it needs to be a place that like you can't have the same constraints that the rest of their life has. Like you yeah. can't have people breathing down their neck. Um, they get that way too much, you know? Yeah. And so you need to have structure. And, and, and I think what we've done a pretty good job of is it, discipline and like doing those things are important in the right amount of dose, you know, and, yeah. and like making things fun. And also like some sometimes you got to get kids to like, they're having a bad day, man. And you got to get yeah. them, you got to be real with them and, and be on their level. And um, not a lot of people are willing to go there. So anyway, do you yeah. want to talk a little bit more about kind of the culture at your place and the relationships that you built with your kids? Yeah. I mean, I think that's um, obviously we talked before. That's one of the, the big things um, that we're high on is obviously the environment. Um, it's, it's super important. Um, like you talked about with, you know, guys not having people breathe down their neck. So we, it's when you come into our facility, you know, there's no lobby, there's no seats, like parents feel uncomfortable in there. Um, and that's a little bit by design because we, we want kids to be able to come there and, and be themselves. Like actually, you know, get out of their comfort zone, um, show who they really are, which you, you know, those kids that are like, you know, the super straight edge kids, like when their parents are around, but you know, when they're not like, they're kind of the alpha male, the, the jokester, which is like, we, we want them to be who they really are. Um, and obviously, kids don't listen to you unless they believe that you really have their best interest in mind um, and that you truly care about them, which is the first aspect of everything. I mean, yeah, like we do so much on the baseball side, but there's so much talk about, you know, life in general or like guys are having girlfriend problems. And like, it's, it's, you, you got that kind of thing that you deal with too. And it's like, you're, you flirt that line of like, you, you need to be able to yell at them and get on top of them when they're not doing what they're supposed to do. But you're also like, their friend as well and and flirting that line's tough but if if you can do it well enough i think that's kind of where um you know where that extra level of growth comes that you know they trust you with everything that they're doing um because obviously like a traditional coach not like a traditional coach we're going to be with them for more hours than most coaches will ever have at this point like if they're training you know eight to 12 months out of the year, like you're with them five days a week for, for eight to 12 months. That's, that's a lot of time. Um, and that's, you know, probably double the time they'll spend with any other coach. Um, so it's important to, to kind of have that, that, that relationship with them where, where they can trust you and then they come in and they know they need to work. And when you tell them something, you know, they respect you enough to, to listen to it and not just like, you know, take it as a friend. So there's a fine line there, but the, the environment is, is the key. Uh, and as you guys go and, and you build it, you know, be, being young helps and being guys that have been there before helps a lot. So w once you guys, um, it starts with the lessons and building up from there. And that's that's really the best way to do it. Gotcha. Um, I, I Speaking of culture, you guys do some things that I, I, I've already complimented you on and, and appreciate that the gamification of a lot of the things that you guys do um, at the gym, but mainly some of these you know, your draft and yeah. the World Series that you guys do, it's so much fun. You know, I, 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 I don't know I, about that. Tell me where, more about yeah, that. Yeah, first of all, where'd you get the idea um, with that? And, and why don't we explain this a little bit more to Cass? Yeah, so um, in college, we did 
we did, it was called the Iron Seahawk. And it's basically like, it's just a bunch of competitions uh, amongst the team. And, and we kind of got the idea. Colleges do it. They kind of split up into teams. So we kind of got this idea of doing the BBC Challenge. So it's, it's, it's events of any kind. I mean, obviously, mostly baseball related, but you have your strength, you have your agility, um, your speed stuff in there as well. But basically what we do is we, we pick four captains every year. It's four seniors. Um, this last year we had 10 seniors. So we actually did like a, an Instagram poll on and, and whoever got the, the top four vote getters um, ended up being the captains. And then from there we draft. So everyone that's involved in it comes in. Um, everybody dresses up. It's kind of like it's it's kind of a big night because uh, you really – they're like how they project a real draft like there is no projection nobody ever knows who's getting picked like it's completely like there there there's the strategies are 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 wild um and you'll see guys go from freshmen in the first round to seniors like it could be anybody so it's it's kind of fun and it helps the camaraderie a little bit so the captains oh. come in they pick um and then from there the following week they they go through events so they'll do live abs they'll do um they'll do bullpens off the mound deadlift squat maxes all that stuff um as, as well as like the agility so it's it's like a it's a pretty fun week and we do that in the last month before the season so it kind of you know helps them get the competitive edge back and then um from there you know you bang out the last two weeks of the off season and then high school starts so it's, it's a it's a fun time especially in the winter it, it gets a little bit monotonous especially like constantly throwing off the mound and you know just hitting off the hack attack so it changes it up a little bit and it makes it fun that's that's awesome. Yeah, I I so I, that's where I was thinking you got the idea. We we had a uh, we called it the blood series. You know, if you yeah. it made me think too. Like, when's the last time I was picked for something? When was the last time I was yeah. in a group in a pool and I was like, oh, please don't pick me. You know, or yeah. it's been a long time, and dude. If we yeah. if we ever get to a World Series situation, I'm definitely playing. I'm in. Oh, I don't uh, have to be picked. I don't want to be a captain. We, we, You're gonna have to pick. Yeah, me. we we do live abs all the time, and and we go against. Them. But yeah, it, it, and and that's another thing too is like just guys like you know going through the draft. You know, everyone wants to be drafted, so it's like having guys being able to do that, and like they they get interviewed, and I think I think that's great for guys because you see so many freshmen go to college baseball and they get interviewed, and they just you know look look completely shell shocked. So we do that. We put guys on the spot, like recently we've been doing things where like we've been having guys throw against each other and whoever throws better uh the loser has to like sing karaoke so we've been trying to put guys in some uncomfortable spots but uh yeah so that's yeah, we, uh, i mean it, it can be funny or it can be like embarrassingly bad but either way it's still good well i mean you're you're creating anxiety situations that are probably going to happen and allow yeah. them and try to teach them how to perform in those situations i, yeah. I we were talking to some people um I don't remember if we were doing a podcast or what we were doing, but I was telling them like I had a little bit of a, a thing with like crowd size because I just it never had been a thing, right? So yeah. get to Mexico, I think the most amount of people I'd thrown before that maybe it was like two thousand. Um, <clears throat> start off in the minors, and there's still probably fifteen hundred people there, no big deal. And I was like, okay. And then it went from like fifteen hundred to like ten thousand, like quickly. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's okay. This is a different noise. And then the next day, sixty thousand. I was like, oh, okay. This is a whole different thing, right? And so, that's all, that's all. you know, being able to perform as as you jog out from the bullpen and they're yelling "Gringo sucks," like it's yeah. it's a whole. But also, like it's it's also 2020, and kids don't actually have that much of a diverse uh, range of skills because everybody's like, "Damn, when I'm like 10, I got to start figuring out what I want to do." Um, so I kind of have a unique perspective because I I went to the my high school is in the middle of nowhere in West Central Minnesota. 
So I have four varsity letters and was in band and choir and everything else. And, and I'm kind of like, you don't realize it as a kid what it does. So like, there's just like, obviously some subconscious benefits of doing that. But like one of them that's really obvious right now is like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at trumpet and um, it scares the crap out of me to play my trumpet in public. Yeah. And, and so recently I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to start playing it again. And I've never, I haven't played every day on my trumpet since I was a sophomore in high school. And I'm so good, so fast. It took me like two weeks of playing every day to be like, holy shit. Like, that's why I made Allstate as a sophomore because I just played all the time. And it's like, oh, when those things happen, it doesn't matter if you're 30 or 15. When you yep. start seeing the value of that, oh, now now I have these same group of guys and I'm and I have to sing in front of them, it's it's actually a little less scary because of the context that they've created and the environment that they're in. So anyway, just thinking out yeah. loud here. And and I and I think that ties back into the 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 whole idea of like the, the gym membership training is like, you know, you get guys that have played baseball their fifteen years, right? They've been playing, you know, they're in college and if they need to switch something, if you're not going to do it every single day, it's not going to happen very fast. Um, and I think that that's a, like the, the topic that people don't don't understand is like, hey, you know, like should guys be throwing uh, five days a week? It's like they should def- they should be throwing uh, probably five days a week. You know, it's not heavy every day, but if, if they have a major mechanical flaw um, once a week is going to be tough for them to fix it. Um, they've been doing they've been doing these movements for 15 years. So think about how many how many throws you made of that movement over the 15 years like you're probably going to need that same amount you know to repattern that which kind of ties back into exactly the, the same style you know i'm just thinking here um just we have a little bit different audiences um you guys get a little bit colder there i assume yeah and um and i was just thinking about how how that lends itself a little bit more to the colder winters you know and yeah. so i think that's where my my fire comes from is, is being in Minnesota and being like, this is the time you're doing nothing right now. Like half of you are out in fish houses. Like (laughs) there's such a big opportunity. You know, that that's one thing that the Northern States, I I think that's going to happen, right? I think in the next five to 10 years, you're going to see the Northern States actually kind of and start competing a lot more with the Southern States because it's not actually takes more time than people understand you know yeah. and so again as as um as this evolves and we learn more and more um you know things like the pitch logic ball that that just makes things so much easier for people but i mean people are still people still don't want to see radar gun numbers you know and so it, it's hard to believe how slow our game actually goes because yeah, and, I'm you're going like I'm having the same conversations I had as my in my first year coaching. Yeah, and, and I, I think obviously, you know, having a facility in an area, that's the first thing people jump on is like, ah, the radar gun. Like the radar gun is consistent feedback every single time you make a throw. Like if you use it the right way, it's super, super valuable. Um, and and I think that that's the other thing. Like you talk about um, having the same conversations, like and it's crazy how far pitching is ahead of hitting too. Like we were talking this week about how, like, you know, pitching Twitter versus hitting Twitter, like, 
we're we're all pitching coaches here and you know we can sit on the podcast and discuss pitching and like agree that you know there's a lot of ways to help somebody get better like if you had two hitting coaches on here like they'd be bickering back and forth about i've like, never yeah, thought of that funny way. yeah that's crazy we'd be like yeah sure stand on your head i don't care get him yeah, out yeah. <laughs> which is which is i think a reason why you know you know, pitching is starting to become really, really dominant. I mean, the MLB, okay. every, rule, every rule that they change is against the pitcher. Like, ah, no pickoffs, uh, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Like, there's nothing in favor We're gonna of We're going to move pitching. the mound back two feet. Oh, that's going to ruin everything. Back. That's going to ruin everything. The trajectory completely changes. The whole game yeah. changes. Two feet a yeah, lot, oh, they're, by they're, the way, big they're guy. Ju they're juicing the balls. They're taking, you know, they're taking uh, – they're lowering the seams. Everything is against, like, pitchers and – and you know we're we're still basically dominating right now. I will yeah. offer another thing though. It might also be that we're so far behind in pitching that we don't even know how behind we are. Yeah, I mean we it, don't it, even it, know it, what to argue about. We're so clueless. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I see some weird stuff out there, and I wonder what people actually think they know. Um, there, yeah. So. I mean that's that, that's a big thing. Is like the the more you realize that you don't know that much i think the the, the better of a coach you become because like you're constantly searching and searching and searching like i i think about all the time like what i was like doing three years ago and i think about now like wow that was you know that was so, so how do you educate then how, what's your learning process and and what are you doing from that standpoint? Yeah, where do you where do you go for that for for me um recently i, I think kind of how you know i like to think i learned some things is uh basically over the years like every guy has had some sort of issue so like the first guy that ever came in with like a weird front leg i just remember videoing and like uh going down the rabbit hole the front leg and like all right i feel like i have a good grasp on that then like you get a guy with the arm action it's like studying so much video and eventually it's like you've hit all the checkpoints but honestly video is a lot of it um you know i all our programs are like stuff that, you know, I've done throughout my college career. Summer. Ball. I got to Mike, that's the best ball. answer anybody's ever given me because it, so if you're a parent out there and that's the kind of answer that you get from a coach, keep listening, yeah. keep going. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. But you can back it up um, too. He rips. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, and that, that's the other thing um, is, you know, I feel like doing it is super, super important. Um, so, you know, you can, you can kind of explain it to somebody a little bit better when you can actually do it and understand it. So that helps you get a good grasp. But um, honestly, just, you know, a lot of trial and error, a lot of like seeing things I like, trying them, adding them. Um, and then from there, you know, you just kind of have this, this, this group of things that you like, and then you just kind of prescribe it to each guy, depending on what they need. Um, but yeah, honestly, videos a lot, like, and just stuff that, that I've done and stuff that I've seen, like trying it out. Um, and, and then from there, um, do you work out? what's up? Do you like work out and train or what, yeah, what do you do? Um, I, I do now. I mean, it's really, you know, I like doing bench press. Um, and I, and I'm, and I'm going for the, to look good instead of actually be in shape now, but yeah, I still yeah. throw constantly all the time. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to catch, uh, Eric Sims. Yeah, basically, yeah. But dude, yeah, that guy. So what did that, you that, see his? Did you see his post yesterday where he was like throwing on a piece of plywood? I was like, yeah. what are you doing? It's like slide down from underneath him, and he's the, like, ah. the videos where the videos where he's you know trying to you know shoot eighty five now. It's like they're they're hilarious. Or I saw he got eighty six the other night. The, the yeah, video. exactly. He he's so good for for social media. It's awesome. I know, right? And it, 
because every time there's a dad that gets involved on or done it. Yep. And isn't he a hitter? Like he's a he's a hitter, right? He he was a he he was in the minors as a catcher and then turned into a pitcher. So he really um, he was a, he did he played the minors doing both. Oh, it's a two-way guy, a legit two-way guy. Yeah. Good for him. It's 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 actually pretty it's crazy. Hilarious. It's it's crazy the guys the guys that Driveline have like they couldn't have two more perfect people to represent them. Like you have Trevor Bauer who is a spokesperson for you and carves and does every single thing that they do. And then you got a guy like Sim who like you know will back you up on social media. Like the 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 culture that they've built is is they've got two top-notch guys. That well, I mean, them. it's they're they're saying everything a lot of us were thinking. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. why are you doing all this crap? This stuff yeah. don't make sense. Uh, Trevor Bauer said like three years ago that they have a markerless motion capture uh, technology that they could be implementing in all games right now. And we just went to the um, winter meetings and there was like, yeah, it's only like a hundred grand. And like a quarter of the teams have it and don't like, this should be on every single television. Every single yeah. time they swing, you'd be like, oh, this guy, you can see this guy's breaking down. We'll see what happens. Did I, yeah. Did I, <laughs> like, it's, it's unreal. Have you seen it's, it's what happened, what's going on in Japan with them playing right now? No. So they're playing, right? Really? No fans in the stands. It's gnarly. But here's the thing. They're filling the gaps with things that we actually care about. As soon as you throw the pitch, right after that, full slow-mo uh, pitching ninja from the grip, slow-mo spin to the plate. Really? And then by the time by the time it finishes, the, he's ready to go again. So we're like, you, all of us nerds are gonna be like, uh, you know. So yeah. so I, I I don't know that I've heard this before. It's almost like what would be really smart of Major League Baseball is to have the video game version of what's going on while simultaneously letting the game be as pure and old as it possibly can. Where catchers can yeah. you can plow through the catcher, you can you can regulate the game however you want to regulate the game. Yeah. But you're going to also show the fans exactly what's going on. And I just yeah. feel like that would be – it just feels like it's so simple to make everybody happy here. Could you imagine, Mike, if we had real spin data in a major league game and oh, someone like Roe threw like a 3,900 RPM slider and it yeah. went on Twitter? It, it would break Twitter. Everybody it would, would – it, it would break. I, I think it would be like – I mean, it would be so good for people to, to see that kind of stuff too. I mean, we always have guys that are like – you know, they throw in the raps over like, what do those numbers mean? Like, you know, what do, what do these guys throw it at? And it's like that that is giving so much valuable data to everyone that they can really get by just watching. Um, it's yeah. that that would be I would love that, honestly. Well, and honestly, that's why we like this ball, right? Like yeah. uh, one thing that I think this ball has over the rap soto is I can see spin data, arm angle and and real and spin efficiency on a drill. Yeah, I can get it on a drill right away. Right. Yeah. And so. You can fix a lot of hand path things that happen with guys and, and spit efficiency issues like in in like instead of it only being on the mound, you can do it anywhere. And that yeah, because I mean major, majority of the time when you're when you when you have an efficiency problem and you're working on it, like you're like I, I mean, recently I've been just using slow-mo video, like a million videos a day, video on guys' throws and and you know, majority of the work is being done without feedback and then you get on the mound and you hope that the feedback's better. Um, so having that, I mean, can, can help a lot because, you know, in your normal catch play where a lot of the habits occur, uh, you can, you can iron that out and, and fix it earlier. Totally. I think, it, I think it's, I think it's a revolutionary tool um, for what it does. I mean, we love it. And, 
and it's so you know it's it's faster too you know there's by the time by the time the ball is caught or before yeah. the ball's caught you already have all your data you know yeah so which it, is which is huge and it's just going to keep pushing technology to get faster and faster for for how it's going to go from there so that's yeah. cool um well you know uh the i wanted to oh man i was going to ask you something too about um let's go into programming right let's go into like some throwing stuff some fun some fun questions because you and i are you already said it you're you're round thrower um yeah. Could you give me a breakdown on like, let's go through a high school, let's say a high school junior enrolls in your program. Yeah. Um, first of all, when could we go over freshman, sophomore, junior and senior? When do you think is the appropriate time to start investing in your training according to where you are in your, in your year? So um, I think for us is what we always talk about. And it goes back to like everyone wants guys to play multiple sports. So kind of what we believe is that up till eighth grade, you should play as many sports as possible. Play all of them. Um, do everything you can. And then from there, I think when, when you become a freshman, that's kind of the time to start um, investing in, in, in what sport you want to do. I mean, obviously, if you're a pretty good two-sport athlete, then, you know, play two sports. But right now, we have – I mean, obviously, you have guys committing in eighth grade and freshman year. So, like, the whole the whole time to start is, is probably – Right after eighth grade ends that summer, going into freshman year, um, and, and being prepared that way. That's kind of what what we tell most of our guys, um, and and that's when the recruiting starts. And if, if you want to get on the you know, on the board early, like you need to be available in the summer to play. You need to be at the uh, events in the fall, and then obviously the summer um, is it, super important. But we we try to explain to them how little time to develop they actually have if if they play other sports. So if you're playing, you know, basketball, for example, uh, you know, you're playing from the fall all the way into the first day of tryouts. So that whole time you're, you're not really developing. You're kind of staying stagnant other than, you know, puberty and general maturity when that comes into play. But through the summer, you're playing all year in the fall, you're playing all year. Like those three months are really the only time you have to like, put effort into yourself and developing which a lot of guys don't understand like they think playing helps them develop like it can for hitters for pitchers most of the time you're, you're developing like specific tools but like obviously commanding the ball and, and pitching but if you have if if you don't have you know the velocity part and the strength part you're not going to get that by playing um which is hard for people to understand but so we start them i would say we start them uh eighth grade summer going into freshman year um so i just want to yeah yeah i just want to touch on some things with the multi-sport stuff um so the more and more i know about movement and um i don't know i mean just just for this purpose of of this conversation like i feel like i'm a movement specialist so yep. i like continuing to gain skills outside of baseball because mm -hmm. of how much it helps me simplify baseball right yeah. so uh, i joined crossfit like six months ago i would never tell a baseball player to ever join crossfit i love crossfit yeah. um it's, it's something that's really appropriate for for what i need in my life um but i think a lot of people are looking for that perfect pairing i, I, I hear people ask me this all the time cressy has said that swimming is one of the worst uh things to pair with baseball yeah. um and so it's like, I think 
what I feel about what you just said is the fact that I don't think there's anything better than just trying to get good at what you want to get good at. Yep. And there are so many levels to that statement, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have to decide, you have to prioritize what you want to do in your life. Okay. Yep. And so we, we act like 16 year olds shouldn't be doing this. Gosh, we need 12 year olds to start thinking about these things because in six yep. years, they're going to have to be making one of the biggest financial decisions of their life if they want to go to college. Yeah. And the fact that we don't treat them this way, I think is a huge disservice to them. Mm -hmm. So anyway, getting back to just the movement side of things is I think the, the thing that translates is competing in something else. Yeah. But I'm not quite so sure that it's important that it's basketball or football or something like it could be darts. Yeah, it could be cornhole. That yeah. stuff brings out the same exact. You can watch people melt down in a game of darts. Oh, yeah. You can oh, yeah. like go bowl with them. <laughs> you can watch yeah. them freak out, right? Yeah. And so these like, hey, dude, you go. You want to learn the mental game? Just keep playing things. Everything, gamify yeah. everything, or just recognize that that's what you actually want to skill uh, skill set wise. And then exactly. the movement part is like. You don't need to know how to shoot a jumper in order to throw a, bat, a baseball. And it's yeah. like, so quit spending this this time. It's just inefficient. It's just a, it, it's literally a waste of your time. Where I'm from in Florida, like I, I didn't have the same winter issue you guys did, but we had rain issues. Like that, you know, rain would come through and wash out multiple days. So we would lose days and we didn't have indoor facilities. Like it just wasn't a thing yet. And even my hometown where I'm now, they still don't have them. And they're still stuck in this multiple sport argument that was put out by a doctor, right? You, and so the town is you play football, you play basketball or soccer, and then you play baseball. Yep. Just like ball ball, we played spring ball, and we played a little bit of summer tournaments, but we just played. And then we'd have practices, right? And it was just kind of a year-round thing. And then the kids that went off and played football and played basketball, when they came back to the baseball season, you got to think about it. You play a full football season. That's a very taxing thing to a kid. Then he's going to go in and play soccer right after that. So he's probably lost, you know, 30 pounds in six months, right? Yep. And then he hasn't been throwing, but he feels like he's in good shape because he looks like he looks skinny. Rested. You know, yep. Right. Six packs make you throw hard. And mm -hmm. sure enough, you know, you get out to baseball season and then little Johnny has tendonitis in his elbow and they can't figure out why. Well, what were you doing? You know, and, and after being in Mexico and talking to all these coaches and I tell them all the time, like they didn't do it. You know, yeah. you, you can look at these academies around the world, like tennis, where they have four year olds starting and rolling in their program. And the next thing you know, it's, you know, Sharpova, like, oh, yeah. oh, OK. Tiger Woods played golf with his dad from the moment he was five, like five yeah. years old. The kid's playing golf, just playing. Right. And, and you know, the, there's story after story where you hear about big leaguers, kids like Prince Fielder and all these people. And like it, it doesn't seem like it's as hard as a process if you literally have singular focus on the skills of the game and what it is in order for you to get there. You know, I'll, I'll and say being one, an athlete. One you know, thing on the big league side of things is I have seen it. It's if they just exist around it, it can happen. If they get just taught, it can't always happen. Because I'm yeah. just pointing out that like just because you play doesn't mean you know what you're doing when it comes to your kid and how how to teach him. So 
It's yep. interesting, but Prince Fielder was at the field all that's what the I'm time. Telling you, my point is there's the guys the environment that there, right? Yeah, he's right? the Ken Griffey Jr. He and that's just, those, I'm playing devil's advocates for those people out there. For sure. And you know? and that's a tweet that uh, Ben Brewster actually put out a tweet the other day. He was saying, like, why why is it that all big leaguers that threw smoke, you know, their kids probably throw smoke. And he was like, it's just, you know, being around, you know, really good movers just produces really good movers and being around, you know, handling things the right way helps you learn how to handle things the right way. I mean, he put out a tweet that was way better worded than how I just explained it, but you, you guys got to check that. Well, but but it, yeah, I mean, like, it makes total sense. Like it, it, if you, you really are a product of your environment and it's exactly. your, yep. if you're Prince Fielder and you're at the field with your dad, Hey, Cecil Fielder, by the way, for the people who forgot who he is, like, geez, he's a, he was a monster, yeah. right? Cecil Fielder was a monster yep. and, and that's all you saw. All you saw was your dad and dad's buddies joke around really far baseballs every day. That's all they, and that was your favorite part, probably. You probably sat in the outfield shagging BP and watched these dudes hit balls off the back of some stadium. And they yep. and they probably never had to deal with the wow factor at any level. Yep. And that alone it, can be tremendous. It really reminds me of in in my personal like the most recent thing that I've been astounded with was the, the last um, the last time I was in Mochi's, there were two 40-year-olds, um, Sal Soto and Juan, or uh, no, uh, Ramon, Ramon, God, he's the manager. Anyway, two 40-year-olds, right? Yep. And they're betting on the advertisements that they can hit, and it's 3.30 down the line, and the advertisement's like a 60-foot wall. And they're trying to hit the O in Coke right that's, that's what that's their home run yeah. round of their last round and it's not like they have 10 swings they got three right mm -hmm. and not only they just hitting the board and hitting the coke advertisement they're within like three or four feet i'm going like these guys are accurate that from is... a very long away and yeah, they're just that's... and i'm just it's just going over it's not that big a deal with them. and they're joking and having fun and there's their kid you know there's Crazy. the 10 year old Right there, just watching dad go, God, you know? Yep. I, I want to jump on that. So so I just saw this tweet yesterday. Um, it was like the top 10 um, hitters last year based on like a, um, like a war metric. And yep. um, it was, but then it was, it, it had next to them their rank in exit below. And number one is Trout and he's like 59th. And then it's, I don't know the exact list, but then it's like 109, 87. And then it's Yelich at five. Yep. And then it's, a, but it was really interesting to think about it that way in a world where um, you're talking about that, that the direction required the barrel control, like to know where your barrel in any way, you know, no matter, in my opinion, then creating a ton of bat speed because. Yep. That's two different things. That's, and uh, anyway, I've seen that. That's, that's, that's the comment we have all the time. Hit. Like, our hitting guys, I mean, Exavilo is, you know, it does you no good. Yes, you so here's your really hard if how, you how, can't how, hit a slider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what do you guys talk about? Tell me a little bit more about your hitting side. Cause I love, dude, I love talking hitting. Um, yeah, I mean, so um, obviously, basically, it's very similar to what you just said. Um, it's more about the swing. It's more about the direction. It's more about the load. It's not about how, how hard you can hit the ball. It's, it's more about how, how consistently can you hit the ball hard, um, which is 
you know, what's the highest correlator to exit velocity? Hit it, squaring it up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like all right. Not speed. <laughs> Sorry. Can you do a huge leg kick and and hit a ball very hard off the tee? Yeah, sure. I, I dare you. Um, I dare you to do that. That doesn't again. really translate into a game, you know, when you have to have a swing that plays well enough to handle a fastball 97 in and then 88 mile an hour slaughter away. You know, you can't have slack in your swing. You can't have un unneeded movements. Um, and I think that's kind of more along the lines of where, where we are in the hitting. Um, I, I wish Ed was here because he would, he would go down a rabbit hole of hitting with you for hours. Can, um, but it's definitely like pretty swing specific and simple. Out. Sure. How do you, how do you guys train it just generally your hitters? Can you guys hear me? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can hear we can hear you. Yeah. Can you hear us? Good. How do you attack your hitters? Oh hold on, I think he what happened? I don't know, he can't hear us. I can't hear anything. Can't hear anything. Well, let's see. Yo, can you hear us now? Nothing. Can you hear us now? I got someone called me middle of this and I ended it and then ever since that it's been it's been ruined. It's been ruined. Mm. Maybe jump in and out of the stream real quick. How have you heard you say that? Um here, I'll text him. That's hilarious. <laughs> this is hilarious. <clears throat> All right. So Mike Adams, Baseball Performance Center. This is technical. Technical. To, this is first day, guys. First day. Let's see if he gets. See if he gets back. Can you hear us? Yeah. There we go. Okay. Oh, okay. Cool. Right on. Yeah. Someone called. Uh, oh, I was, and I ended it, and then it worked. It didn't work. Yeah, no, I was just we saying, like, okay, I don't. Ex so right. you won't, uh, you won't speak on details like Ed might, but um, just how, tell us a little bit about how you guys uh, train your hitters, um, just generally, like programming and stuff. Um, so basically, it's kind of very similar for pitching and hitting. Like, well, they come in on day one, um, and we'll break down, you know, they'll break down the swing. Um, they'll do it off the tee, flips, and then, you know, they'll put them on the machine and kind of see how the swings play um, on all three. And then from there, it's basically, you know, they'll sit down, go over some video of, of, of what they're trying to achieve. And from there, you know, it's a lot of drill work, a lot of constraint stuff. Um, we're, we're really big on, on making sure, you know, the path is super important, the direction, um, you know, being able to, to cover the whole plate, like making sure your bat is, is essentially like the swing needs to be out towards right center. Um, and then you, you can be able to handle pitches away and then turn on them coming in. Um, that's more of, you know, along the lines of the, the style they're trying to achieve. And then from there, it's, you know, getting, getting the swing down. And once you have it down, it, it's testing it in, in tougher environments with, you know, harder BP, your guys spinning breaking balls or velo on the machine or breaking balls off the machine. And then it's just uh, kind of building the barrel accuracy from there. Barrel accuracy. That's a good way to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the, the term that we use a lot. That's that's good. That's good. I 
I, uh, <clears throat> so you, you throw to your guys. Um, what do you feel like are some holes that you see in a lot of the guys at each? each yeah, so. Um, each, like each range, basically. So we, we do a lot, like, we basically do it BP, but I'll mix in pitches. So I'm not really throwing it that hard, um, but I'm mixing it up. But but obviously, um, you know, up and in super tough. Um, I, I feel like every time, you know, there's a scouting report on somebody, they're like, ah, you know, can't hit the pitch up and in. Um, and that's partially because, one, um, it's probably a ball. Realistically, you know, we always talk about, hey, you know, how do you hit the up and in pitch and you just take it? Um, you know, I don't know who's handling 98 up and in consistently. Um, you know, probably no one. Um, so that, I mean, that's obviously a big hole. I mean, I, I'm a big, like, I like to throw backdoor breaking ball or back foot breaking balls to lefties. Um, I feel like that's super tough pitch to hit because you're gearing up for the fastball in and then, you know, it's in the dirt. Um, and then obviously I, I feel like, what, what do you feel like when on that pitch right there? I think that's what I'm asking. Like, right. There's some obvious holes to you and me. And I feel like high school and college guys, like I can just walk out there and just almost tell them what I'm going to do, and, and they're they just they don't have the barrel accuracy or the or the the strategy to understand what's going on and how how the game is going on. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm asking to you. Do you feel like that there is a, a particular time frame to when that when you see them when you see your hitters kind of like start to figure it out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, honestly, I feel like a lot of our hitters start to figure it out after they suck. Um, as weird as that sounds, but we've had a lot of guys that have, like, you know, they've just out-athleted people for their entire lives. So, like, the first time that they kind of hit that barrier of, like, all right, these guys are just as good, um, why am I not as good anymore, is when they start to, you know, dial in on the finer things. And I think that's kind of, like, junior year in high school, senior year in high school and college. Um, and, and I remember even in college, like, you know, you always see these super talented freshmen and then, you know, you put them in and their talent doesn't normally rise. Uh, and, and you're just like, why is that? And it's because the experience factor of like understanding, you know, what guys are doing um, to them is like just as important as being a good hitter. Like, I feel like you can't really be a good hitter until you're, you can understand what people are doing to you and, and, and how they're going to get you out. Um, because obviously, you know, you can get yourself out half the time and they can get you out. So if, if, if you're not, you know, understanding what they're going to do to you, you're going to get yourself out. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, junior, senior year is kind of when they start to really dial in on like being selective. And then up until that point, it's like, hey, you know, I'm I'm better than you. Um, you know, your stuff's not as good as me in the box. And, and they just end up, you know, being good because they're, you know, just more talented at the moment. And so you give them – like you throw different pitches to try like a back foot slider or yeah. something to try to have them see it earlier. Right. You're trying to expose yeah. them to, Hey, this is going to happen to you. You need to be ready for this pitch. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it, it also, it also gets them to see that, like how, how to approach, like, you know, what to look for is like, I, I'm literally trying to strike them out. Like I think it's fun if no one hits the ball. Um, they don't, you know, and, and obviously Ed doesn't like that at all because he's like, all right, well, none of these guys are hitting anything. But I think one you mean what happens in a game. You mean what happens in a game, Ed? Yeah. You mean where you touch the ball twice in a day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and so uh, them understanding, like, 
I mean, obviously it's, it's much tougher in that situation. Like, you know, every, like every time a guy, like, I feel like I want to strike somebody out, like I can literally just throw it a little bit faster in a BP setting and it, and it's, and it's kind of messed up, but they'll learn. But a little bit is them understanding, like, you know, what to look for and like, Hey, you know, what pitch can I actually hit right now? Like, and I look for that pitch and sit on it until then. And like, and, and just them being in situations where they actually have to think about it and they, and they're, they're, they're failing um, obviously, which, which it all goes back to, but that's, that's the main goal. It's having them fail and like understand, you know, the next day be what to look for or not to make the same, same mistake twice type of deal. Well, and I think this is where it, it's all coming together is like when we're talking about technology at the big league level and we're talking about player development. And it's like if you just actually gave like we got to quit thinking, in my opinion, we got to quit thinking that technology is this huge like advantage because mm-hmm. it's still just like we need all of the technology to be out there as soon as possible, as, as quick as we can. And like that, that just needs to be like the mainstay with everything because it's going to only get better. It's only going only getting it simpler. Um, but on the flip side, this has to be the balance. Is all I'm trying. I agree. I mean, the, we're still talking. That's still a gamified situation. That's what I'm saying. Is like, the, the, it's not like that competitive advantage is gone. Now you actually mm-hmm. have to focus on these things, and I just don't think that people actually do. I mean, yeah. you know, it took me a long, long time to run into somebody like John who could actually talk about the game. And this was like, as a kid, I was in the middle of nowhere where I could actually play the game, right? There was nobody calling my pitches. Like me and my catcher created this. So I learned how to get people out. And then when I got to college and I didn't know how to like say that I knew how to do that, right? It was like, uh, you don't know how to do that. And then all of a sudden my pitches are being called for me. I'm like, well, this makes me 10 times worse. Yep. It's so yep. much easier for me to actually just look at that person and get them out. Um, and I wasn't doing it. I wasn't as aware of it though either, right? So, it, and then so if you can just make it conscious, you know, I'll leave it at this. This is one thing that I've t- taken away from as a as a simple way to 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 talk about what I've learned from John. I never would have thought about this without John Pinchas. If you just taught the first three pitches, just three pitch sequences, like what do you do in the first three pitches? It's the simplest way to minimize people. Like, okay, so the worst thing that you could be is 3-0 right there. So most of the time you're going to be working with the most common counts that you're dealing with. You want to learn how to people strike people out? Be really good at your first three pitches. Because yep. that's most of your pitches. Mm-hmm. So anyway. And, and I, mean, I think that probably and, swinging within the first three, there's so many like additional easy pieces of information to overlay these strategies and put into yep. it. It's like that, he doesn't play the first – and he doesn't swing the second, he's probably 99.9% swing at the third pitch because that's what he's told yeah. to do. Because you don't walk yeah. off the island and you don't, you know, yeah. you, you got to bang your way, you know? That's that's one of the huge things that, you know, we always talk about, you know, with, with our guys. So the summer team we have, um, like, it's 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 a really good team. We have a bunch of good players on it, but they're like, we're, we're like, yo, you guys are calling your own game. One, it's your area. Two, if you get a win or a loss, it's completely on you. So, in these games, in these summer ball games where you're showing off your stuff, you're going to be the one on it and you're going to be the one, you know, learning from situations where it's like, you know, hey, uh, you got the three-hole guy up, uh, man on third, two outs, and it's a 2-0 count. You know, be smart enough then just to groove a fastball down the middle and let him hit a single and get an RBI. Like, make a pitch, you know, throw an off-speed pitch, get him out and, and do stuff that way. And, and I think that's one of the things that, like, 
you know, we, we, we want to coach them, but I feel like in that sense, doing less helps, helps them a little bit more. And it's the same thing on, on, the, on the hitting end is like, there's no bunting on our summer team. Like we are not playing to win. We're playing for you guys to develop and expose and expose yourself to school. So you going up there and bunting waste an AB, like that's a, that's a valuable at bat that you will not get back. So obviously, you know, Obviously, there's times for bunt. I, I'm not saying I hate bunting. There's definitely times, you know, to bunt. But those two aspects is that's kind of how we play. Like, hey, you know, all pitchers, you're calling your own pitches. You're gonna learn and you're gonna figure it out. And the same thing with with the with the sticks. You're gonna swing and be able to hit your way on base instead of having to play small ball. It's just like I can teach somebody how to bunt correctly in like two weeks max. Right. Yep. And like, okay, now you need to, you're going to go into a game. Hey, bunt this whole game. All right, done. Like you just learned how yeah. to do it. It's like, yeah. it, I don't know. So I don't know, man. I, it's, it's, I, I, so for, again, to play devil's advocate, I have a really good friend of mine that, that um, I respect a lot and he's mm-hmm. actually up in your neck of the woods. That would make a strong argument for why bunting is important. And I mean, I, from the, not from the general sense. So I'm not, I know not to go down the rabbit hole. I'm just saying we all know that there are times when you can win championships by learn, knowing how to bunt. 100%. But, oh my gosh. But we got, we got stuff blowing up in front of us right now. <laughs> oh my God. Um, no, it got drops. Anyway. Um, well, uh, yeah, man, I, I that's, the facility that you guys have up there, I'm, I'm super jealous of the, the setup. And everything. <laughs> you guys got you got nice lighting and everything from there. But, it's, you know, love uh, it. it totally has been cool to watch you guys grow and how things have been improving and, and paint jobs and, and seeing the success of some of your guys and, and how they've, they've gotten through. It's, it's cool to be like, you know, and then we meet in Nashville and I'm like, OK, yeah. is this a thing? And you're like, yeah, I'm like, OK, what about this? OK, all right. So I'm not crazy, you know. So there's, I think it's cool what the internet and, and social media is doing. Where, where it really is. It's creating, you can, you can talk to people across the world. There's a guy in um, Australia or South Africa that's a professional bowler coach for uh, cricket. I'm not sure if you follow him, but um, he was with Stephen Jones. He's, he, was, he did a podcast with Rob Hill, right? And this really? guy's talking you know, pretty much it's all drills, right? And it's to train all this stuff. And like, you know, like you talk about, like drilling the front leg and, and creating a, a better, you know, more forceful front leg and all this other stuff, the same things that you're talking about. And, and yeah. it's so against the grain of like, just get stronger and, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. But, but in the same sense, like that, that's a conversation. Like people should be able yeah. to have, like me, like, you know, growing up, I had a strong arm because I threw a lot. It's not because I worked out. I actually didn't. I was told not to work out. I didn't know that was. Yeah. You know, I distinctly remember that, going. That used to be. That right. used to be the way. Yeah. The way to go. So they didn't For want sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They're like, nah. Pitcher's got to be loose and whippy, and if you get too muscular, then you just can't do it. That's a, okay. Yeah. Sure. That this, sounds. This is a combo. This is a combo that we have all the time, like with, with us and our strength trainer is talking about, like, basically, like when you kind of hit that point where you know that extra 50 pounds on your squat is probably not going to make you throw harder type deal like yeah if, if you squat 150 you need to add strength if you squat 350 like you going super to the like super max level on trying to get to 400 
might not mean you're going to throw harder. And it's like kind of finding that like basically what we believe in is that like there's like kind of like Dr. Heenan's 90 mile an hour formula. I don't believe like there's one formula for everyone, but I feel like that's a pretty good place to start with where you need to be at strength wise. If you can meet all those, I feel like, and you can move pretty well, you're probably going to throw pretty hard. Obviously, you know, there's always the anomalies in every situation, but if, if you have your a good base strength and you move pretty well, I feel like that's kind of where um, the money's made for you. I think it's just the classic speed, strength, where's my right hand? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> speed, strength, yeah. continuum, right? And, um, yep. you know, something that I learned this year that was really helpful and understanding the timeline for kids is that, you know, 7 to 12 years old is that window where speed is developed. The body grows really fast. They don't have testosterone. So this is where their bodies are made to build speed. And then when they yep. start um, going through puberty, now is the time when testosterone's in play. You're going to be able to hypertrophy the muscles a lot easier. You're going to be able to put on mass. You you can yep. you can try to put on mass on a seven year old all day long. It's not going to work. Like so, it's yeah. just not, it's, it's it's so much smarter to understand these simple principles. So yeah, yeah, I hear you. Man. All on the same page. Yeah, it's that's the uh, that this this is the good part about pitching is that you know we can talk about it like this. Yeah, for sure, totally. I mean, there's. I imagine that if all three of us here's here's the thing that I, I think is a is a thing and maybe we can do this in the future. Um, mm -hmm. If all three of us sat down and really watched a baseball game, what our perspective on what we think is happening would be so intriguing to the people that don't look at the details like we do. You know, like we yeah. talk about practice swings and literally mm -hmm. the hitter is showing you what he likes to do. Yep. Yeah, 100%. And, he, and you see him going like this elbow up, flick inside out thing. You're like, oh, okay. Sure. Or, yeah. How about this yeah. one? Like, because I, I, I hear that one. I'm like, that that's how have I not heard that? That's the obvious, most obvious thing you could tell somebody. Um, Doug Latta talks about how if you're facing Chris Sale as a lefty, okay, and you're squared up on him, you have zero chance. Zero. So it's coming from behind. Second base. So why not just face him where the ball's coming from? And it's like mm -hmm. these simple little things you see elementary mistakes happening at the at the highest level. Doesn't it's everywhere. And so this and, is and, and, and it's crazy too because that's why people are always like, like I never go to games, and they're like, Yo, you want to go to the Phillies game? I'm like, No, I would much rather watch it on my TV. Like I can see the shape of the pitches, like where they're throwing. Like shape, I don't have to look shape. up at the velo board all the time. Like I, I like prefer to watch a game on tv which, which kind of sucks for baseball because like you got people that really enjoy baseball but they no, it doesn't they no, give you because such this is this is easily solved change the game baby yeah, exactly change the game Honestly. Allow, me, allow me to be at the game this and is how the phone and see the slow what i want yeah like make and, it and, and, they're trying, and some of them have tried to put some data on the scoreboard like i know the, Do the dodgers are doing that now they're putting some new stuff up there which is good but still I'm 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 still leaning towards being home, but but they should because that's like I mean I just love the behind the behind home plate view. Yeah, for sure, exactly. And then what happens when you sit front row behind the plate? Love that, but you get the same you get the same view. Well, not not if you sit in the wrong spot. Think about it. Yeah. If you sit yeah. if you sit in the wrong spot, you you see an umpire and catcher. Yeah, that you're like this sucks. This I yeah. I don't get the last important. 15 feet i don't have the angle mm -hmm. right so even if you go to the game you don't want to sit like you think that's the seat right there yeah. right yeah hey ceo you can have that seat go ahead buddy i'm gonna go about i don't know 
30 rows back, be a little higher. And yeah. I can get this whole thing right now. Now I can really see the guy catch the ball and do yeah. all this and watch the guy get fooled and see him out front and stuff. You don't, you don't see, you know, I, I just don't see a lot of the stuff on, on, um, on the internet lately where, you know, I love Trevor Bauer breaking down pitches and what batter hitters are doing and stuff like that. And we're watching all these older games and, and uh, we watched, um, uh, or I was watching the Astros White Sox and Pettit was on the mound, right? And Pettit ripping cutters inside to every righty. First yes. pitch cutter inside, either paint or ball, mm-hmm. right? And you can just see the White Sox just going, Rip foul, rip foul, rip foul. And I'm like, dude, there it is. That's that's it. And then so he's going cutter, 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 change. And just like you see the rollover. And yep. then you start realizing like, well, this guy at the third baseman's playing the chopper. So he's even with the bag and he's a couple steps over. So he can either cut it off. And then you look at the shortstop. He's not playing normal. He's playing two steps in the hole. So they're mm-hmm. pinching. And then the second baseman's playing straight up. And it's like, okay, well, now you can see these guys that are like when you're talking about barrel accuracy and control, like – there was a there was a point in the game that I feel like has been lost on the hitting side where guys could literally play tennis with the ball and put it anywhere they want, yep. knowing what they're trying to do. And and we we've seen it with these older at bats, like where um who was the Boston? Was it Everett Cabrera? We were watching game 2004. I think it's who we were watching um with the Red Sox in 2004 when they were playing the Yankees, right? And you can see that. Um, Musina's on the mound and he's going cutter, cutter, cutter away. And he's trying to get around it and throw it in the six hole, throw it in the six hole. And then he comes fastball up and in and then he gets two strikes. And then he goes cutter away and Cabrera goes with it and then shoots a base hit over the second baseman. It's like, ah, there, when he got two strikes, he switched his game. Like he was, he was sitting inside and pull the whole time. And they got two strikes switched to away. And then, Oh, thank you. I got it. Right. And he just dumped it over there. And people don't see that side of the game where you're like, as a pitcher, you're like, dang, I should have thrown a changeup, or I should have thrown a fastball yep. five. I, I didn't, I didn't catch him switch through those two strategy where he changed his whole thing. Well, and, and that's the other thing too is that I don't actually think it's that complicated because when it comes down to it, I mean, I'm a two pitch guy, so like if you listen to me talk about how I get people out, it's comical because I have two pitches and I'm really yep. good at getting people out because I'm just playing with the same exact game and then I flip the script and sometimes I do weird things where like. Normally, I'll throw like 60% uh, fastballs and 40% sliders. And sometimes I'll just like not throw a slider for 10 pitches in a row. And it's like that messes with people so much. And then like when you're able to recognize those things on the mound, it's game over. I always tell kids, people are not playing the same game as John Sintas, right? And this goes back to what I was saying earlier. But it's just – it's so – this is so fun. We could literally talk all day about like – Oh, this sequence that I did, and like, what happens when that sequence doesn't go right? Um, yeah, and you could also just say like, "Hey, what if you just threw fastballs arm side the whole entire game, and then like yeah. played off that?" And and I think and I think this is a really good example of like how you know how you talk about the new school and and the old school meets is because like you got you take us for example and like you know helping guys throw harder and develop pitches and then you take a guy like like you listen to pedro talk about pitching and like people like i you know pedro you know he he doesn't know what he's talking about like if you talk to pedro about pitch sequencing he's gonna give you you know some super valuable info exactly and it's like that's where where all three parties can kind of meet in the middle like you have a guy who like you know is all into the data and the mechanics and you have a like your old school pitching guy like that's where all three 
aspects can can get put together and really help guys like people i mean people think like i you know you need to follow straight data the whole time or you know straight you know what my sequences are like if if the balance is used well then you can really really be the most effective pitcher that you can what are you you, jedi right now we're we're turning into (laughs) what's happening and and just because you're looking at like we're turning into super coaches, psychology guys. Have to be like, what's the difference between it? Well, you don't. I don't know how much you have eight-year-olds, but like we have eight-year-olds, and then we have professional baseball players, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so like the skill set that we have to have, and, and and this is my point coming from the private sector. This is a skill set that hasn't existed if you're only in the pro game, right? Yep. And so when you talk about when 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 you answered that question earlier, I'm like, parents, listen to that. That's like that's actually what matters is how often have you had to take somebody who had no idea what they were supposed to do to get better and completely yep. change the way that they thought about it. Right. Yep. How many times you've done that is going to be like, so, so because now we have, we realize based on technology and this, that you, you really have to be, <laughs> you got to be a lot of, you got to wear a lot of hats as a coach. A lot of hats. And if, I think, and I if think you, this is a, this is a really good example too. Like, this is what we talk to to our guys all the time is like all right and and it's and it's pretty good like we talk to college coaches about it too it's like there there's a difference like imagine imagine your career is is like an airplane right so you know and then you're you're you have coaches that you know help you fly the plane so it's basically figuring out like a pilot versus a mechanic so like you go to college your head coach your head coach you know has so many you know, they have to do recruiting, they have to do scheduling, practice plans, um, you know, gear orders, all that stuff. Um, and your head coach helps you fly your plane, essentially. And then, you know, when the plane breaks down, you know, when your mechanics aren't good, your swing's not good, that's where, like, the mechanic steps in. And and that's, like, where I, I would consider myself, like, a, a mechanic. Like, that's what I like doing. And figuring out, you know, what coaches are what is huge. And And it's not that, you know, your college coach can't be a mechanic. It's that he has so many other things on his plate that he has to do. When you have 35 guys on a roster, you know, your your second guy out of the pens back leg might not be, you know, his biggest uh, worry. It's helpful to know as the athlete that it's unlikely that they'll have that skill set. Yes. And, and I think, like, the whole pilot versus mechanic deal is, like, what we talk about all the time. And it's like, you know, your coaches, if, if your swing is really good, you're – and you get get around a good coaching staff and get a really good approach, you can be really good. If your swing's bad, you know, you're going to need to find a mechanic. Or if it's not bad, you need to find a good pilot. And it's the same kind of thing of, of them understanding that. And I think you you need both pilots and mechanics to have, you know, for your plane to fly successfully. So it's good to, like, have those both. And if everyone works together, you know, it can be a safe flight. And, and to be honest with you, like, that's, that's what I'm, I'm sitting here going, like <clears> – <throat> It's interesting what's going to happen in the game right now because the private sector, there's a lot of us like that we're having these conversations and yep. these are different because we're, let's be honest, like we're, we're pilot and mechanic and, yep. and, and there's a lot of people that are authorities in the game that, that yep. struggle to do both. And, and then when yep. they, and then when there's two different teams, now it's the communication breaks down and Goodness, it's, yep. it's a real complicated system to keep it all going. But there you go. that's a great analogy, by the way. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's I, like, I was, that's my favorite that. analogy ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, like, yeah, totally. Let's get a mechanic. It's, Let's do it. Right. They're, 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 it's, it's a good way to like explain it. And 
And I, I think that one, that one hits home with the most people a lot of, a lot of times. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So let's get into some, like, some, like, like your favorite stuff right here. What, what do you like right now as far as like cueing and phrasing, um, when you're, cause I, I love your guys stuff. Is there anything that you feel like is, is kind of right where you want it to be? So, I mean, obviously for uh, right now, this time of the year, um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on a new like spin efficiency kick. That's been like the thing that I've been on recently. Um, and right now, this time of the year, like mostly everyone's on the mound. So like, you know, your mechanical adjustments have been made. Um, you know, you're prepared to be in a game. So we've been on a huge, um, efficiency kick is like using the, the, the clean fuego ball, which is like the half balls that kind of give you that good. So we've been doing that a lot and, and, and trying to get, you know, trying to pair pitches. Um, as far as the mechanical stuff goes, when, when I was actually at ABCA um, and I listened to Randy Sullivan talk from the Florida baseball ranch, um, he was giving the, the eight variables in throwing velocity and the eight variables in, in throwing health. Um, and, the first one in each of those was the back leg, which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, and he was just explaining it like in, in simple terms, like obviously it's the first move. So if you can do the first move right, it's going to make it a lot easier for everything else to fall into place. And if you don't do it right, every other move you make basically has to compensate for, for the wrong move. Um, and that was something like I like when we first started doing this, I was like, for some reason, like when, when guys fix their back leg, like that's how they jump. And I was like, it, it makes no sense. Like even with a bad arm action, like this guy jumped because his back leg. And like, once I kind of saw that, I was like, it, it makes a lot of sense now just because it kind of sets everything else up a little bit easier. So obviously, you know, that that's normally the first thing we go after with guys um, is clean that up one on the velocity end and, and two on the health end. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in the middle of making a video and it literally says the first move matters. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, I, I, it's been fun. One of the things that I've really enjoyed working with John is like realizing what things I've done well and realizing what things I haven't done well. And mm -hmm. um, I, I really I keep on going back to that thing because what resonates most is that my young self was actually pretty good. Um, because I just paid attention to what was working and what was what didn't. You know, I yeah. didn't see anybody as an authority yet. You know, where I got in trouble was when I, you know, and this is a pretty big theme in my life, is like any time that I get in trouble is when I think somebody knows it more than anybody else. Um, because, like, the only person that can know anything more than anybody else is you. So, so um, anyway... I was saying that back in 2013, right when I started going full time at this, where I was, I'm going to make a living teaching baseball. And um, it's funny how it doesn't go away, right? Yeah, because it's, it's, it, it really is. Most people do it poorly. The first move, most people miss it. And it's, it's in hitting enough. and it's in throwing. I would say we, we rarely have guys that come in um, on their first day and they have like an efficient back leg like that's the rarest that's the rarest thing that that i've found so i just i just refer it to as a good backside move and and like man i, I know that myself when I, I don't know that my interpretation was as clean as it is now right mm -hmm. but when i started incorporating my back leg it was night and day i always struggled throwing strikes and i went from easily up so my best years of my life on the mound and admittedly, it, who cares? But it was an amateur baseball, and I was consistently 70 to 75% strikes. 
and I was for sure upper 80s the whole time. Never had pain. I wasn't working out at this time. I'm not saying it's the only way or the right way, but goodness, it's really hard to ignore, ignore my own experience and then how much it's made an impact in my coaching because, gosh, yeah. it's fun. So, yeah, first move. I don't think that there's any if, – if anybody thinks that there's something more important than the first move, I think we'll fundamentally disagree. I think yeah. that's something I yeah. feel really good about. It's, it, it's crazy because I, I have a story like that as well where, uh, like, in college – you know, get every lifting, everything possible, you know, constantly long toss and throwing. And like, I, I, I get done. Like I was 88 to 92 every day, day in and day out. Didn't matter. It never jumped and it never went lower. Um, and it was like always like that consistently. And I did everything I could, you know, to try and get that extra tick. Um, so one day, you know, I was done playing. We're like, you know, we're just starting to get in. This one kid had a back leg problem. That's kind of where I was like started to, to go down that hole. Like, all right, I got to figure out what this needs to do. So I'm like practicing it for myself. And like one of our other uh, trainers was going to play overseas. He was like, yo, I need to get my arm back in shape. You just start like throwing with me. I'm like, yeah, sure. So I haven't lifted in like a year at this point. Um, and I haven't, I, I throw like, you know, I have catch for guys a little bit. So nothing like no long calls and nothing. Um, so I, I just start like kind of practicing these drills so I can like, show them to our guys and like explain them well um and like slowly i was just like i was like wow my back leg actually is pretty terrible like i should probably you know work on that so when i demonstrate this i don't look like an idiot um and like a month later like i actually was was throwing 95 like way harder than i've ever thrown um and i wasn't throwing i wasn't lifting i wasn't doing anything other than just practicing the back leg um and i was like that makes a ton of a ton of sense like i was i was trying to figure out why and i was like there could be only one reason because i've done only one thing different and it was clean up the back leg and i was like from there on i was like it definitely mattered way more than i thought it mattered so just because i have i haven't really said it this way in a while so a lot of people haven't heard me say this if you prioritize the back leg and you just like annoyingly don't do think about anything else besides better back leg, better back leg, better back leg. You'll start realizing that you can be focusing on making your back leg or paying attention to it, right? And so um, we, we just got this new tool called Synapse. I don't know if John's told you about it, but it basically exposed my back leg right away. So I realized that when I was in this, if I wanted to push off my backside as hard as I could, and keep my front leg internally rotated, my back leg internally rotated. Mm -hmm. I had never realized that in my entire life. So if I don't internally rotate my front leg, my back leg stays in a much stronger position. So if I go and I say, hey, I'm gonna throw like um, you Darvish or Tim Lincecum, right? My backside is gonna be brutal. But if I say I'm gonna kind of like Justin Verlander it, or I'm going to, I mean, that's the best way to think about it. Like he, his front leg barely comes back. It's just like yeah. up to his, right? And that's going to make me so much faster. Now, I want to offer one thing else because this is, we have a lot of people who know exactly what I mean right now. So um, if my lower half is just neutral like that, then the upper half will kind of wind around that. And I think yep. that's what people are misunderstanding is that you actually don't need to do this that much. And when you, when you do counter rotate the lower half a lot, it's because you have a shit ton of rotate. You just are good in your hips. Yeah, you just have a ton of hip mobility, and that's not a lot of people. But yeah. then you see, like, I'm we're, I'm guilty of it. I mean, we're learning as fast as we can, but like, I see a lot of people a little bit too counter rotated. 
yeah. right? And now all of a sudden they can't maintain the integrity of their back leg. So long story short is um, the if you just prioritize the back leg, you'll start realizing what what are the biggest things that ruin my ability to keep a back leg good. So yep, and that's and the the back leg is is super important. And this is why I feel like you know people who don't train somewhere like why it's super valuable for them because we talk to guys all the time like every time you throw it, it's like an opportunity to repattern or to continue good patterns or to ruin them so if you like that's why you'll see a lot of guys you know go to college you know they're 88 to 90 they go to college and next thing you know they're 86 88 and you're like you know what like why have you dropped and it's like they're doing completely new things and if they're not being under a watchful eye you could be doing those new things completely wrong and it could make you worse, um, which I feel like actually happens more, more times than not. Um, Guilty, right here, that, that's right why here. It's, it's Got me. Sign, yeah. sign me up for that, for that issue. Yeah. Yep. And, and on that same thing, that's why I think something like this, right? If, yep. you know, I, I honestly feel like I got swindled, like, right, as far as like what happened with my throwing, what I was told to do, I, you know, you can't, you know, okay, it, I'll shorten it up, whatever you tell me to do, right? But if I would have, you know, because I was such a team guy, right? And, and if I would have been throwing bullpens with radar guns and would have known what I would have been at and I did something and it didn't feel right, because I felt it right away. I'm like, ah, that doesn't feel good. I didn't feel like I could locate. And, and I got the, well, it's a new thing. You're just going to have to keep practicing until you figure it out. Yeah, so, it would have exposed the coach. Okay, cool, right? So I just kept doing it, right? And then I, I it started feeling, it doesn't feel like it feels now. I distinctly remember it felt pushy and tight and slow. And that's what he was saying. That's what he wanted. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever you say, man. And uh, looking back on it and how my arm reacted to it, that's obviously not the, the way to go about it. So, yeah. but, it, but, you know, to your point, you know, that experience of you got the kid who's been doing the same thing. He knows what he's supposed to do. And then he goes to college for some reason, that threshold that, that is being entered. It's almost like you give away your own individual thought process to this person because you're like, well, this guy's supposed to be the expert, right? And, and I got to do what I got to do to play. Exactly. I got you. He says, if I do this, then I'll play. And I yep. want to play. I don't want to sit here and I'm tired of watching these other guys play the game. I want to play. He's just flying the plane though. Right? Yeah, exactly. And and that's them understanding that. And and that's another, another point that ties back into like the ball and the rap soto. Like if, I was I was talking to my uh, my coach in college the other day and like I, there was a video of me throwing and I was like I remember watching this video and be like wow that slider is filthy and like I watched it again the other day and I was like wow that slider if it was on Rap Soto would be like a one one like it would be terrible it can't get anybody out and it made so much sense I was like well I must have tinkered with you know five different breaking balls and it's because all five of them were a one one no matter what arm angle no matter what it did they all just were terrible and if I would have had you know some sort of data to tell me that it was terrible instead of having yeah. five different ones i could have taken one and had a decent one for yeah. me it's, it's like, my change up same thing i don't have yeah, a change up and, and and even efficiency on fastballs like we have guys now that are like you know we're looking at this one kid the other day and he was throwing he was throwing 88 with 23 vert like over the summer and we're looking like all right you know why are you throwing 88 now but it's only it's only uh 16 and it's like his efficiency 70 and we're like Picking, having data before and after, like just like make sure that you know you're continuing on that path. And if you don't have it, you literally don't. Have it. All right, why am I getting torched now? Nothing's different. I'm throwing the same. You know, my pitches are all the same. When in reality, they're not. Well, and okay, so on that, right? 
even if you don't have the spin efficiency thing, I think the step before that, which would have made sense to me if I'd have known this, if someone would have filmed the ball coming out of my hand in the window. If I could have got to see the ball, the shape of it, of what it's supposed to do because of how much like video I watched every night, you know, like I was, I was always a baseball tonight guy. If there was a game on, if I'm doing homework, it's on in the background and I'm always watching games. And even right now, yeah. like, we got the, the old school games on from here. I've already been looking for the Japan games to see if I can find them online, like, you know, yeah. and, and, and stuff just, just to watch the game and learn from it. And, yeah. and so I knew, I distinctly remember this the same situation. I knew my curveball was bad. It felt loose. It wasn't sharp, right? And I remember throwing it, and I remember telling my, my head coach, can you watch me throw my curveball? Something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't feel like it's supposed to. And I remember doing it and throwing it, and him going, yeah, that's fine. No, that's I don't understand what you're worried about. And then we go in the game, and I throw it like that, and it gets bang. And he's like, why'd you hang it? And I'm like, I don't know. Like that's <laughs> yeah, I, 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 the doing what it, that's what I felt it was doing, you know, yeah. and so, you know, understanding what your pitches do for yourself and being able to actually see what it is like, it's easy nowadays, we got the phone, you should film the window, you should know how your ball moves towards the camera and away from the camera. So you can help, you know, pair the things that you need to and then you know, the spin efficiency idea is that you'll see weird sink and you'll see weird run. Well, my four seam's not supposed to do that. Does that, yeah. is that a thing? Oh, well, that's the spin efficiency. You were off on it. You internally rotated the ball ran. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there, I totally agree with you. There's, there's steps and things to it, but it's also, it's one of those things. It's like, if you don't know about it, if you don't know about the spin of the ball, right, is what we're saying, which is the most important part, right? Yeah. Not the, not the mechanics, right? Like your your body produces the spin of the ball. So if yep. you like to your point and to your point, if you don't have a good back leg, timing's not going to be good. Your hand's going to be early or late or for whatever it is. It's not going to hit the right angle, especially when you're trying to throw 95, right? Yeah. And so it's just going to massively cut into the aerodynamics of the ball, the rotation of the ball, where it goes, you know, the confidence that you have, the comfort, you know, how comfortable you are with it. So I think it's tremendous. The ball is the most important thing. Yeah, pe people can't be uh, like afraid of data. Like it's not it's not overtaking anything. It's just being implemented in in certain situations where it can really really benefit. Uh, did you watch the? Uh, there was a podcast with uh, Sonny Gray, CC Sabathia, Bauer, and uh, did you watch that? And they're talking about in when they're on the Yankees, how you know they had all the data. They knew that they were behind, but they just had no one to interpret it to them. And, and you know, they were trying to learn. And then Sonny Gray had a really bad year, went to Cincinnati. You know, they knew what they were doing. And all of a sudden, he's an all-star. And, like, yep. he was, you know, spinning the his breaking ball and his fastball at, like, 3,000. But, you know, at, like, 75%. So, like, there was no life. And, you know, he went to Cincinnati. They took the data. And now he's, you know, had, like, a top five year last year. With, I loved his answer, too, also, where he was, like, you know, because he saw they, they. I love the story where they said they saw the Astros, him and CC, and they're yeah. going to the bullpens, and then they realize the Astros are putting up full tents over the bullpen, so you yeah. can't even see what they're doing, but you can see them setting up tripods with this weird box camera. You know, and they have edutronics before everybody else and doing stuff. And then yeah. Sonny comes back with, "Yeah, I don't know what the numbers mean, but they just show my hand in slow motion and show right at release that my hand was like that, yeah, instead of here." And he's like, oh, you mean just keep my wrist more here so it does that? And yeah. then once he started seeing the actual shape of the pitch of what it was doing, he was like, oh, and he fixed yeah. it right away. It's, you know, and, and it's it's crazy, too, because I so one of my buddies 
played uh, plays for the Dodgers, and uh, you know, I, I talked to him, and he set me up with one of his pitching coaches, who's now the the assistant big league pitching coach. And you know, you can just talk to to the pitching coach and to him, and just see that like they almost are not on the same playing field as other teams. Like when they start, like how their guys use the data and how it's implemented, like is insane. Like, all right, they're talking about like, you know, certain, like a new reliever they got. I'm not even going to say who, but how like, you know, what his sinker was in in 2017 compared to what it was the last two years. And they're like, all right, now we got it to what it was in 2017. Like they're just using the data and like, they're like, yeah, you know, we're predicting a really big year out of this year. And like how they're approaching guys, like when they're playing, like, you know, your, your normal, like, I'm trying to think like the Padres, for example, like they are just, they start the game, like, with an advantage and like, you know, you, you want to say like, you know, on any given day, but like the Dodgers are so far ahead with on the pitching end that, you know, it's, it's almost not starting zero to zero. That's cool. Like how they're using, how they're using everything is just, you know, it, they're, they're just so far ahead. It's great. I, I would, like, just got Rob Hill too. And he's a smart and, dude. And he, yep, and, and his job, he's a pitching coordinator and he goes around and helps design pitches and works with mechanics all day long like no other teams have that none like that's a a job that they built just for him to do like it's his niche and he goes around and and does that with all the guys and and that's why you know they're they're not only the best but like if you look at their minor league like this guy i'm talking about his name's nolan long like he throws 94 to 99 and he's 610 and he was like the double a closer with like it's two era and like you know that's some downhill bro 94 yeah, to 99 at 610. That's yep. And he's Randy Johnson. And he, and he knows when he doesn't. And like, and he's a guy that like, you know, he's going to have a tough time to, to break it to the bigs because they are just stockpiled with arms that, you know, use their stuff so well. Um, and, and that's why, you know, they're so good. Well, now you're bringing up a whole nother thing where there's the backup in the system and how major league baseball has turned into a farm and, you know, it's a new, we don't have the relievers that, you know, the Vance yeah. Worley's and and the mm-hmm. and the thing they're not they're not they're too expensive for because there's just too many guys that throw yeah. you know but in the same sense like with these guys they're farming these guys that are coming out that are throwing 94 to 99 and mm-hmm. to your and my point is we're not seeing them understand the game that's going on they're just a yeah. robot they show up okay I throw 99 I come set mm-hmm. ha, here's your 99 right there's yeah. no like they're not reading the guy they're reading the swing they're just yeah. hyping it you know mm-hmm. and like when I see you know that that's what was was the craziest thing that I saw. One of the things that I saw in Mexico with those two forty-year-olds is they hit back to back, and we brought in, they brought in this Venezuelan long-arm slinger, three-quarter slinger, and he was ninety-eight to one hundred, and they went back to back, first pitch fastball bombs, pulled down the line, ready, and I'm going, yeah, they don't care, you know, and it was belly button high, and he was ready for it, and you you heard the oof after it, like where he knew, oof, like oh man. Yep. That he did not miss any of that. That was a max effort against a max effort. And you know, if you miss there, it's it's see you later. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's funny because uh, no, I, I know what you're saying too. Because we had like when I was in indie ball, we were, uh, with Rockland, we had our our you know our our number one starter who was also our pitching coach. Um, his name was Richard Salazar. You know, he was I want to say you know mid 30s, been pitching for 20 years. Um, so he's probably he's probably throwing 84 to 87 at this at this point. You know, and we get there and you know the first pitch of the game, 50 mile an hour breaking ball, and I'm like, what's going on here? Like then he throws 85 mile an hour fastball, then 70 mile an hour breaking ball, 
then 89 mile an hour fastball, and then back to the 50 mile an hour breaking ball, punches this guy out, and I'm like, that was crazy. Like, <laughs> lo- like lobbing it, like, you know, like so slow that, like, you can't hit it, but you're just watching him, like, toying with hitters. Like, just any situation, like, you, I'd be like, you know, this guy's probably looking for that lob breaking ball. Like, he throws it, they they freeze. And it's like, this, the, like, and, and that's the whole, like, Maddox Bartolo Caron come or Bartolo Cologne uh, combo is like, you know, those guys threw 95 at one point and then they lost their velo and they learned how to manipulate guys like at that level. Like, and it's like, people are trying, you're trying to train guys to do that. You will have zero success training guys to do that. Like that is, I, I would say, you know, you can train guys, you have a better luck at training guys to throw a hundred than you do at training guys to manipulate the ball and pitch like those two guys can. I disagree. I think it's not you that think? hard. <laughs> yeah, bro. Oh Cause there's a, there's a math formula that you're missing. Right, you're talking about speed ranges, is what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So that's that's the difficulty of it, right? They couldn't wait, right? So 50 is a hard thing to practice, right? But with curveballs yeah. and how you can do it, it do my curveballs easy 20 underneath? And when I face guys like yeah. that, and I go from if, from curveball to fastball, you can see that their relationship to speed is is different, right? So mm-hmm. and, and and to your point too. This is where I think the fastball and the slider have, have become an issue because those speed ranges are too close together. Yeah. You can like flick it and fight it off. If it's too slow, you'll be out front. So what you're yeah. talking about with Maddox, like Maddox and Bartolo, for what they were doing, they started playing with movement, right? But then they're oh, playing yeah. with movement that, dude, my theory keeps, that's amazing. Yeah, but- Mike, Mike, I'm with you. John's, John's trying to push a, push a thing here. No, I, I know I, what you're I saying. Think, I, no, I don't think it's that hard to teach I someone mean, to understand how to stay inside of ranges that matter for 10 miles He's saying manipulate the ball. He's no, saying like, okay. I know what he's saying. You, 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 def- you definitely, I mean, you can definitely teach changing speeds and, and how to pitch. But I'm saying like to, to their level of like, all right, you know, yeah, let, me sure. throw, let me throw this two scene, you know, with. To A-Rod. Yeah, like, and, and, and dot it. Like, the, I, I'm talking about, like, to the elite level. Like, people always yeah, use sure. those two guys as an example. It's like, you know, Greg Maddox this, Greg Maddox that. Like, okay, you know, you're not you're not going to throw 82 and get to the big leagues like that. Greg Ma- Bartolo Colon threw 100 in, like, the 1997 All-Star game. Like, he threw noise and learned, like, and learned how to do that. And it takes years and years of, like, manipulating it like that. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, like, when I say it's not that hard, like, obviously it's difficult, right? But the yeah. same story that I hear about these masters that do this stuff, it's like mm-hmm. their continued idea to work on these real specific pitches, like you're just saying. Like, Maddox intentionally worked on, okay, how can I make my two-seam run 17 inches? I need this thing to run all the way across the plate into this right-hander's hands. It needs yeah. to look like it's over here and then go there. So now we're, we're talking about pitch design and real specific ideas and things that nobody nobody really talks about, right? So yeah. these tools and these weapons, I, I, you know, I just you're talking about one idea that you hammer, 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 hammer until you have it, just like you would a curveball or a slider or, or anything yeah. from there. So like that, I love what that guy did, right? He came out the game and started the game and be like, hey, this is what's going to happen today. Yeah. Right. He, he so, controlled every at bat. It was, it was exactly a hundred percent. And so, like when you start yeah. off the game like that, and you you everybody has to honor that. But when you have a yeah. you know no offense, but when you have a two pitch guy, right, it's a different thing. But I think that's the point to the whole thing, right? The point is back to the thing we were saying is like there's 
like Verlander, Maddox, let's go Scherzer, Kershaw, right? Mm -hmm. They all have these massive strikeout games of these things, and they all do it their own style, right? Yeah. But they but they really learned like that straight ball goes far, right? And how can I make this ball be as difficult to hit as possible on every pitch that I throw? Yeah. Which, uh, like we said, is difficult, but like we're talking yeah. about in the relative spectrum of this might take you five years to figure this thing out, you know? It's, like, really and, be a and, and the difference, and the difference too is like when, you know, I, I feel like you can do that when you have, like, when you're, when you throw 90, like at minimum, it's like, all right, you know, I'm in the minors, you know, now my job is to pitch to my best and, and get guys out the best I can. Like when you're like, you know, so majority of our guys are, are high school guys. So like them doing that is, is probably unrealistic because are they going to like, are they going to get the scholarship they want by like, you know, really like, are they really going to get seen enough to understand that they, that they can really, really pitch. Like most of the time, you know, they'll come watch them throw a pen, they'll watch them throw two games. And then from there they'll decide on, you know, what they, what they think of them. And it's like, do you, you know, when you throw 88 with a plus slider, it's a little bit easier for them to like you than it is. Like if you're really controlling the ball, like at 80, you know, Oh, it's sure. I mean, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like that is super valuable. Like when you're at that point of, hey, I'm in the minors, or hey, I'm in the bigs. Like now, I need to take my stuff and really turn myself into something. But until you get to that point, it's like, yeah, for that, sure. Obviously, why, like, get to ninety levels. first. That's yeah, why there's yeah. like levels of the mastery. So it's like, all right, you know, when you're in high school and you know you really need to be able to, you know, you need to have a good arm. You need to have a and you need to throw strikes. And then once you get to that next level, it's like, all right, you know, everyone here has a good arm. Everyone here can throw strikes. Everyone here has good stuff. Now how do I use my stuff? And then it developing, like, every level changes. It's like, all right, once you throw, like, once you throw 95, like, let's not, you know, burst our bubble to throw 97. Um, let's have a really good fastball and a really good breaking ball and, and pair them together and be able to use them to get guys out. It's, like, kind of like, you know, when you get to that point of diminishing returns, like the same thing that kind of how we talked about with the lifting. Yeah. And I think there's levels to sequencing. I think that's what we're saying yeah. too, is, is like understanding like what guys can do. And once you can master the sequence, I think that's more what I'm talking about. Yeah. You understand what their range is. A sequence that I, that, that I'll lean on a hundred percent of the time against the best person I'll ever face on a four pitch sequence. I've got like 10 of those. Right. Yep. And so like equipping these guys ahead of time where it's like easy stuff, like you're going to throw two curveballs in a row, a change up and then a fastball up. That's yep. you're going to show that like that. We're going to try to do that. And if you throw your first curveball for a strike, the second one needs to be for a ball down. So the first one ball down, the second one needs to be for a strike. Right. And so you see these things where you give these options to these guys in these sequences, it, it's 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 a lot easier to prepare these guys for those things like that and then understand that some of those things don't change the rest of your life right so practicing yeah. those ideas and then making it further right so the curveball is the first one you throw is 60 right and then the second one you throw is like 75 and it's a little sharper right so those those ideas and things that we're talking about within the pitch the options of the pitches of what you can do that really get technical but really it's just practicing it, you know yeah and to not, let's let's say it this way not to take anything away from what you said it's simply that i think we what we're considering over on our end is that if you can simplify sequencing in a way that 
um, I had talked about earlier, whether we're talking about three pitches or four pitches, okay? Let's say you don't execute one. The act of actually trying is executing it because what you don't have in a lot of these scenarios that you're creating is a person swinging at it. So yep. you you need to just prepare the sequences and be like, listen, you got to trust the fact that this is this is like a little this is like a little magic trick, whatever it is. You have to follow these things, and you got to figure out how often does that thing work. And if you can't yes. make that sequence work, move on from it, right? But if all of a sudden these sequences start speaking to you, like just the most simple thing I could do to you, I'm gonna go breaking ball for a strike. I'm gonna go fastball in, and I'm gonna go breaking ball away. And then as soon as that doesn't work, then I'm just gonna come in on you. And then I can decide what to do there. Like that's just in every other, that's so basic. Yeah. And, and yeah. you don't see it executed very often or just like, yeah. you know, um, and, and, then, and then on the flip side, you take a little bit further. If that was actually such a simple thing that we would do, one, we'd see it more. And two, when we do see that, we don't see hitters that know how to react to things like that. So John says it all the time, like, hey, did you guys remember when I threw a first pitch fastball eight times in a row and every single one of you watched it? Because you showed yeah. the first guy showed me that that's what your approach was, so I just let that happen. And it's like, what are we doing here? So that's where I think it's, it's, it's probably, to me, Mike, it's like maybe it's a lot simpler. Maybe it's the problem is so deep that it's so simple. It's come full circle. It's like, hey, these guys can't do the things that Maddox did or Bartolo Colon did because there's never been an environment like that. You know where. where I don't know, like whatever their situation was, they just got the opportunity or the what the 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 freedom to to screw up as many times as they needed to to get to this point. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that's where you know the whole why why baseball is 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 such a good game because the people don't, a lot of people don't understand like the mind game that that goes into everything. Like, all right, you know. You could really execute your pitch, and it could get peace in a gap. You could miss your spot and get a K, and and that's what people like don't understand. And sometimes you could miss your spot every game. And I mean, the whole stat about like Scherzer, you know, was won the Cy Young and missed his spot by like an average of seven inches, like for the whole season. It's like, hey, and why? That, why do you why do you think he did that? Why did he miss his spot so much? He knew how to miss. I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I think he's and, not and, a myth, and, and then he's also trying to throw nasty stuff. And when you're trying to throw nasty stuff, sometimes it runs too far, or you miss, or you yep. bury, you pull yank, whatever it is. Yeah, and and that's that's like kind of what we explain is like, hey, like, think about that. Like, you're you're trying to build build stuff where you can get guys out in the zone, like, and that is really tough to do because if you look at a lot of the strikeouts, um, a lot of the time it's not you know guys blowing fastballs down the middle of the plate, like. It's you have to have them set up and you have to have them looking somewhere that, you know, they're so caught off guard that, you know, they're chasing. Um, but I, I think that's why, you know, baseball is like it is because you can do everything right and get bad results. You can do everything wrong and get good results. And you can, you know, have terrible at bats and, you know, you can you can go up and bunt and miss your first two bunts and, you know, it'd be O two 2 and then they throw you one and you put it in the gap and you're now a hero after your first failed two bunts. And it's like stuff like that is 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 pretty crazy and that's why you know i think that's why we're drawn to it so much yeah yeah like the like i'm gonna throw some stuff you know and i may hit the spot i may not but i'm, I'm just gonna keep fighting through this thing you know and i think that once you're allowed the freedom as a pitcher to not be afraid of a three two count and like not be afraid of a walk like yeah. the, the 
the sky's the limit on what you can really start allowing yourself to get comfortable in. Like, you know, you see it all the time in college where you walk two guys in a row and he gets yanked. But in the big leagues, you walk two guys in a row, they're going to leave you in for the third and see if you can fight your way out of it because you can still get a double play, right? There's still options here to not give up a run. It just turns into this weird, ugly inning, but then you get the double play, you strike the guy out, it's a zero. Well, it was a it was a weird 35-pitch inning that you had there, you yeah. know? But nobody scored, so, hey, we're still fighting in this thing, you know? The name of the game, so, yep. Well, hey, I, I think we – God, we went for a you know, hour and 35 minutes. <laughs> um, I know, right? This was so easy. I knew, I knew you were going to be awesome on this. Thanks for being our first guy on the streaming oh, platform. Dude. Thanks yeah. for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be the first guy. Any any other time you want to do this, count me in. Definitely. Well, now that we have this, like this, the round table idea thing that we have is going to be yeah. something that we can get some good people on here. So if you have some suggestions on some people and stuff that you feel like would put a good conversation and content, you know, let's get your buddy Mike there and, and let's just Ed, keep this oh. thing for Ed. Ed, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're Mike. Mike, Ed, that's yeah. hilarious. What I said. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd love to do that. For sure. I mean, there's so many good personalities that we've, especially at ABCA, like Go Catalyst, you would love them, Cordell, you know, all, you know, all of us, all of us outraged. And now we're like, you know, he brought up the point the other day, like, why are we surprised? Like, I'm not surprised at anything anymore with Major League Baseball, all of the things, you know, it's like, well, you can see that it's obviously there's some weird things going on. Very, very. So. Cool. You got anything? How do we uh, tell people about who you are, where you find you, that kind of stuff? Um, Instagram, we are uh, at Baseball Performance Center underscore Twitter. It's at the underscore BPCSJ. Um, those are our two our two main social media platforms. So that's probably two of the best. best. Right? Like we don't need to What's mess up? with anything. Two of the best. We don't need to mess with anything else. You know, Twitter and yeah. Instagram. Let's... Yeah, I mean, two, I don't two need TikTok. Stuff. I don't need the other things. Nah, yeah, just... I thought about that, but. I feel like it'd be it'd be more of like you know a clown show than it would be you know. It could be something like, "Hey, will you run that? Will you just make some stupid stuff for us here? Thank you." Yeah, that would be. That's a good idea. <laughs> All right, Mike. We appreciate your time, man. This has been a fantastic conversation. Hey, stay healthy. Appreciate oh, time. Thanks for having me. You guys. Thanks, uh, buddy. Stay, stay healthy out there. Yeah, we're, we're. I mean, yeah, we're doing what we can. We're, we're doing alive. what we can for sure. <laughs> All right, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks All again. Right, appreciate it. There we go.